I'm Chris Peters, and welcome to the Consulting Psychic Podcast. This is a podcast designed for marketeers who seek a future in consulting, either as a main gig or as a side gig. I speak to marketeers who made a jump as a consultant full-time and to those that treat it as a side hustle. We'll dig into their stories about how they got their first clients, their inspiration, managing their time whilst they're still employed, and how they prepare to go it alone. Now let's go. Joe, welcome to the Consulting Sidekid podcast. Thank you, Chris, for having me. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, it's, it's nice to, to finally get on the mic and uh, chat. I know we've been chat- chatting over LinkedIn. So before we kick off, it'd be really good if you can give our listeners a bit of an introduction to yourself. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you. Uh, so I'm Joe Reynoso. I'm the managing director and founder of Tierra Nueva Interactive. Uh, we're a B2B demand gen uh, consultancy, uh, working primarily with Series A and B uh, technology companies, helping them with their go-to-market strategy, primarily focused on lifecycle marketing, demand generation, revenue operations, basically helping them understand how opportunities go from brand new contact in their database to close one. Great. So how long have you been running your consultancy? I see it's over two two years now, two and a half years. Sure. So Tierra Nueva has been a pet project for probably about seven or eight years, um, but it has been uh, incorporated as of uh, 2020, so November 2020. Okay, so seven or eight years. So how did this start then, seven, eight years ago? So you've been in full-time employment for some time. So was this helping friends out? Was it on Upwork? How has this journey evolved over the last seven, eight years? Sure, yeah. So I've always been um, a full-time employee. I started my career uh, a little over a decade ago uh, in the education technology space. And I, I always knew that early on as I started learning about B2B marketing and paid media management and, you know, building out marketing automation programs and just funnel conversion, learning funnel math. I always knew that my career track was probably going to end at the director level. I, I knew that I had no desire to jump into a CMO or a C-suite level role. Uh, back then, uh, in 2013, 2014, the, the writing was on the wall. It was already clear uh, as a student of the industry that the average tenure of a CMO was uh, under 18 months. And so knowing that, you know, I'm I'm uh, a son of immigrants. I believe in, you know, hard work, grit, determination, you know, the half of knowledge is to know where to find it. Uh, so I'm very resourceful in that regard. And I knew that I wanted longevity in my career. And I wanted to, you know, just kind of operate the way that I work. And that is with an ownership mentality. So as I did my nine to five job, I was always looking for the exit ramp. You know, I was always, you know, reaching out to other colleagues, seeing what kind of work they were doing. I have a lot of friends in in the arts. And so that lifestyle is very conducive to, you know, contract work. Uh, so production assistants, 
you know, stunt, you know, devils, actors, dancers, right? They're all going from gig to gig. And so as a, as a, uh, you know, student of marketing, you know, I, I knew that the future is going to be one of abundance and not one of scarcity. And so I just opened myself up to uh, the possibility of partnering with multiple organizations at the same time in such a way that it didn't conflict with my regular nine to five. So I made sure that, you know, going into new engagements, they were very aware that I had passion projects that I was working on, made sure that, you know, those were listed out in in an exhibit A and they knew what I was working on. And, you know, usually the chips fell where they may, but it's been a, it's been a long journey. And I'm just very grateful that I've been able to make this transition. So there's so much to unpack there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to start with, so you knew pretty early on what that path was going to look like. And I know from personal experience, that's not something that I was perhaps aware of myself. So knowing that early on, how did you approach your first employer when you knew that this was a route that you was going to make and you're going, you're trying to have those engagements with other people who are paying you for the same service. Like, how did you sure. approach your, your main employer about th- this desire and how did you manage conflicts? How do you, do you mm-hmm. how did you manage that? What could be a very awkward conversation? Yeah. I mean, not awkward at all. Right. It's uh, for me, it's, it's about the, perspective that you bring to the conversation and also you know your attitude when you're interacting with your senior leadership team so at the time you know I had I had a mentor I was working for a company here in Chicago called Capital Education some great colleagues that I've met there I spent five years there and the head of that organization at the time uh, his name was John Neal uh, and John Neal, he now is, I guess, also consulting on his own. He runs GenEd Consulting. But prior to that, he was working for 2U, which is a large um, uh, online uh, program service provider or, or an OPM, we call them, online program management company. And so John Neal and I were having conversation over, the, you know, some water cooler talk, I think. And he says to me, he's outlining the strategy. You know, I'm maybe a month or two in. He's outlining the strategy and he's helping me understand how I fit into the organization's strategy. And he says to me, you know, as we grow and we we look around at the competitive space, we see that all of our competitors are going up market. And as the stream, as the current gets stronger, all of these competitors are going to go up market, but we're going to stay right here in this tiny little space and we're going to dominate this space. And sure and lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. They ended up winning some wonderful contracts that helped that organization grow uh, and essentially rewarding their parent company Pansophic education, which was a wonderful story to tell and a great story to be a part of. And I remember saying to him, I said, John, you know, you're one of the most like thoughtful, considerate, 
like bosses that I've ever had the privilege of working for. And you're so generous with your, your insight and your time. And I just want you to know that, you know, I'm optimizing my entire career for deep learning. Everything that I'm doing right now is to propel me to the next step in my career. And having surrounded myself with mentors like John, you know, I, I had an open line of communication with him where he understood that while we're together, I'm going to do what I can to serve the best interests of this organization. But my future doesn't, doesn't end in the place where I begin, right? My future is something that I cannot yet see. I cannot anticipate. I need to go search it out. Uh, and so he, he encouraged me and supported me along that journey. He knew that I had other, other interests outside of you know, that organization, but he also knew that I was going to do everything I possibly could to make them thrive and, and ensure that they were successful. And, you know, that's a great partnership. You want to be around leaders like that. So I think that open mentality and have an employer that respects that, I think might not always be the case. So as you navigated through your career, did you ever come, ac- uh, come across a challenge from an employer <laughs> or was that one of your um, immediate dismisses when you was considering employment somewhere? Oh, for sure. Yeah, your um, marketers today, you know, uh, you know, new marketers coming into their own and finding their footing um, are going to go into these conversations and, you know, these interviews and maybe not be as prepared as, you know, they, they might want to be you know? And so, you know, part of it is anticipating uh, what the other, you know, any good negotiation involves understanding what the other person is willing to let go of, right? What they're willing to uh, give into. Uh, And when you better understand that perspective, their perspective, then you're able to present your value proposition uh, and and how you can help them in, in the best possible light. And so, you know, yeah, there have been plenty of times where I've walked into a third or fourth stage interview where we get to this point in the conversation. I let them know that there are other inventions that I'm working on. And, you know, it, it doesn't always land positively. And in those instances, I just keep myself, I keep true to myself. And I, I'm reminded that I'm also interviewing that organization, you know. I'm I'm interviewing that organization as much as they're interviewing me. And you want to be able to surround yourself with uh with leaders, mentors, people that you can learn from that that are supportive of your overarching career goals. Um, because no one should be at an organization for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in today's workforce. That that's I don't think that that is uh a realistic expectation these days. You look at the macroeconomic environment, over 250,000 marketers have lost their job in the last 12 months from Q2 2022 to Q1 2023 in three quarters. Over a quarter of a million marketers have lost their jobs. And what we're finding today, what I'm seeing in the marketplace, and which I think you're validating as well, Chris, is that many of these marketers are realizing that there are green pastures out there 
and their opportunities. Most organizations that got skinny for beach season in Q2 are now looking for efficient and sustainable growth. And while it's it, it might be a hard pill to swallow, many of those full-time employees are now going back to these same organizations as consultants or contractors or opening up their own their own shops and you know finding the best way to position themselves as as a value add to these organizations so you know the world is shifting the work world is yeah. shifting and i i don't want to harbor this point but i really want to ensure that we get that direction because it sounds to me like you're really thoughtful and intentional when you have this conversation so looking at practical guidance for the listeners so when you have when you approach a job that you are looking to a new opportunity knowing that you were looking for full-time employment but also one that would complement your your side interests you would approach that job um with the intention of maybe not revealing that purposely sure. until a third or fourth interview so you got a you got to ascertain if it was the right fit for you and they got to know you and it was better to have that conversation later on. So do you feel like to date you've made that jump and we'll, we'll go into kind of the nuances of that later, but that tactic, did that serve you well or do you feel in the past you would have perhaps brought it up earlier to save your time or did you think that it helps navigate uh, a sensible, mature conversation once they got to know you and in fact you got to land some really good roles and it helped propel your career later on? Yeah, for sure. That's a great, that's a great question. I think early on, like I didn't have the perspective uh, or nor the experience to know what, uh, to know what was appropriate in those conversations. It took many, many years of those high level interactions to develop the the executive presence to be able to have those types of conversations. You have to you have to be prepared. You know, you have to be prepared to overcome all sorts of objections that come when you're wanting to spread your own wings. There there's always going to be naysayers. And there's always going to be people that uh, shine doubt on the promise that you want to produce in life. Uh, and and that's, that's true in life and that's true in work and business, right? And so, you know, it, it was very important that in those interactions, in those interviews, that, that I was true to myself, you know, that I called the spade a spade and I kept the main thing the main thing. And, and I think when, when you do that, it, it shines through in all other aspects of your communication. People understand that there's something special here or there's something deeper here that is intrinsically motivating this person to come work for my company. And when you've experienced many, many sets of data over the course of you know, a decade, uh, and you're able to bring that to bear along with your professional network, along with your, you know, your your professional re- references, as well as, you know, just your perspective on the market. 
um, and, and your innate desire to want to roll up your sleeves and get the job done, when you're able to bring all those elements to bear into, a, into an in interview, it's really easy to, to win someone over, right? Particularly if, if they're open-minded and, and um, you know, just genuinely, uh, you know, a good listener, I think. I okay. hope that answers your question. No, it does. And just looking at that conversation and how you set about managing your time and setting expectations for your, your side gig clients and your employer, how do you set those boundaries between the two? Because mm -hmm. there's there's never going to be a chance where it is completely clean cut, where it's nine, five here, five, seven, five, eight here. So yep. how, how did you, before you made that jump, how did you, you manage your, your balance between the two? Yeah, it wasn't easy. First and foremost, when you're a full-time employee, your primary focus should be to your employer, right? You're giving them uh, an allotment of time, uh, which is 40 hours a week usually, and you're giving them that commitment. And, you know, generally that's, you're always on during those times. But as a B2B marketer, most marketers will, will probably agree that it's never a 40 hour a week gig, right? I, I've been a demand generation manager for many years. I was a director of demand generation uh, in my last stint um, before I cut the full-time employment cord. And those were not 40 hour jobs. Those were, those were 13, 14, 15 hour days over a course of many, many years. And for many people, that's not sustainable, right? That's not, um, that's not a conducive work-life balance. And so it wasn't easy. I, I wasn't able to fully commit myself to doing the outbound prospecting, generating the demand in market so that people understood my personal brand and understood my perspective and how I could possibly help serve them. You know, I, I wasn't able to uh, dedicate my my resources, my talents, my energy towards uh, my consultancy uh, as well as I can now. When when I made the shift uh, and cut the cord and just started doing my own thing, uh, th then it became much easier. And so I would say to anyone looking to make that leap, you know, set yourself up for success, create a runway for yourself, you know, make yourself invaluable at your organization, uh, make yourself indispensable within your organization. Uh, and if you have aspirations to kind of grow and, uh, and embark on your own, you know, create a plan, set yourself up for six months, build up your savings, go take a consulting, you know, opportunity, you know, you know, to kind of get you through. And use that time to be deliberate and intentional with building out your value proposition, your messaging, identify your community, right? Identify who your, uh, who your people are and, okay. and engage with them. So before, because I, I want to get into that. Mm -hmm. So I guess over the last seven, eight years, you have been building up your clientele, you've been managing 12, 13 hour days. I assume that there's been inbound for you for consultant side gigs. Mm -hmm. 
how have you on a day-to-day managed that because you, you have said you've got these 12 13 hour days you said you've got then prep for future success but over that seven eight year period before you made that leap or, or you gave yourself that one way you had to balance that so so what did you do practically um on a day-to-day perspective so start at seven in your main gig it's it runs on till six seven in the evening you know yep. was that you know what is that was that a typical day for you and how long did that go on for yeah so it went on for a long time when you're doing demand generation for an early stage technology company or you know even mid market or enterprise demand generation is one of the most heavily metric roles uh within any go to market function you're looking at you know uh, channel level metrics you're looking at business level reporting you're looking at uh marketing automation campaigns and all of the you know engagement data that comes out of you know grading and scoring your prospects and your accounts you're looking at uh conversion rates between the various stages of your opportunity management process you are tying all that into a strategic narrative that you're communicating back to your CEO and your CEO needs to go send that to the board and then the board comes back with notes and questions about hey how can we do this a little bit more effectively or hey why did we take this pivot uh during Q3 right like and you have to respond to all those things and generally that's not something that you can do uh while you're also executing on the strategy in a timely 8-hour day it it takes a lot of commitment and so so yeah what i would do is i would wake up really early usually like 5:30 6 o'clock in the morning and i you know use the first hour of the day to kind of you know close out everything and make sure that i was just focusing on you know my mental health my well-being having a good breakfast then i'd start the work day you know knock out notifications in the morning get through the emails try to try to remain at inbox zero as best i could and then work on the execution make a list of tasks that needed to get done um alongside the things that that i knew i wanted to do but the things that i needed to do usually came up top of that list knock that out move on through the work day try to complete as many tasks as, as i could um you're using project management software right so all of that helps keep your your uh your interdepartmental communication in line with the timetables that you have set for your deliverables and all your project management chops that you learn in an organization also are very useful for you as a consultant so you know a big part of the transition that i made to becoming a full-time consultant was understanding the value of time right you know you're spending 8 hours as an employee for an organization building out someone else's dream great that's awesome if that's what you'd like to do that's great that there's nothing wrong with that but if you have your own dream and you're suppressing that dream because you're building out someone else's then you're going to develop a lot of cognitive dissonance over time um and that's not great for your mental health and that's not a sustainable way to go about your your day to day. And so, if you'd like to avoid that, take the skills that you learn as a full-time employee and try to practically apply them 
to being a, you know, a solopreneur or an entrepreneur. And so in that regard, you're taking obviously your sales skills uh, and your project management skills, and you're bringing those to bear in order to drum up awareness, consideration, uh, and ultimately, you know, a purchasing decision uh, from prospective clients. So, you know, that's all it was. It, there's a lot of minutia that goes into that, but it wasn't easy, right? It took it took time. Okay, so so you set about this this quest really well thought out early on in your career. It took seven seven or eight years. Or mm-hmm. so, so looking at that journey, was it that it took seven eight years for you to to gain the experience before you made that jump, or was it it took seven eight years to build up a cl- like the clientele? What what mm-hmm. was it, or was it a bit of both? No, it, it took seven eight years to to figure it out right to understand what i needed to know to feel confident enough to deliver value to others when i first moved to chicago in 2013 i i moved here because i met my wife and she lived here and i decided to move from miami florida up to chicago illinois which is the reverse of what a lot of people do and you know i remember making a business card with my company's name on it, Tierra Nueva Interactive. And I wrote my title as copywriter, marketing copywriter. I hadn't had a copywriter job up until that point. I had only had side gigs where I was being paid an hourly rate. And I knew that I was going to write myself out of whatever adversity or difficulty that I was finding in life, experiencing at that time. And lo and behold, that's what happened. You know, I joined uh, an organization, Capital Education, uh, back then. You know, I met some wonderful people. I was uh, a consultant for them, uh, helping to break down barriers within a small uh, university in North Carolina called the University of Mount Olive. Did that job for six months, kicked ass, and then opened up a new role for myself, created a role for myself as a marketing copywriter at that organization. Um, from there, I learned I learned how to orchestrate Pardot. I learned how to build landing pages. I learned how to, you know, I learned lead scoring and grading. I learned Salesforce architecture. I learned how to, you know, understand inbound methodology. I read books, you know, to educate myself on the topic. I surrounded myself with mentors. You know, I learned paid media. You know, I started experimenting in these platforms. I started doing funnel math, right? And so that led me into a a demand generation track, um, which at the time wasn't even a job you can apply for. Uh, Back then it was called a CRM marketing manager or a lifecycle marketing manager. But I knew that I wanted to go into demand generation because it was all encompassing of all the skills that I was adding to my tool belt. And that's how I I kind of got to this place. Demand generation is business strategy. It's optimizing people, process, content, and technology to better enable your go-to-market strategy. Um, And so when you dive deep in that realm, it's really your entire business strategy and how to optimize for results and do it in the most efficient way possible. And so 
becoming an expert in that seemed like the right way to go if I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Love that. Mm-hmm. So looking at, so shifting gears, so looking at how you got that first client or first side gig client to what that looks like now, generating business for yourself. Can you talk the listeners through how you go about sure. finding customers and how you found your very first customer? Yeah, for sure. So I think as I was, uh, my story is unique in, in the sense that I, I've had exposure to you know, high-level business decisions without necessarily having to be an advisor or an investor uh, or, or an employee of those businesses just through my network. And so, you know, I've had visibility into conversations that I wasn't a part of, but that were shared with me that opened doors and made light bulbs go off in my head. My family runs a clinical research practice in Central Florida uh, that started just prior to the pandemic uh, in early 2019. And for the first year and a half of that business, uh, there were no customers, there were no contracts. The pandemic hit, made it very difficult. uh, And then lo and behold, we remained consistent continued applying our our go-to-market principles and were able to land contracts with companies like Moderna, uh, Precision Medicine, uh, Vero Science, right? It's it's just a, a wonderful portfolio now and the organization is doing very, very well. But that those experiences helped me in my go-to-market as well, uh, tailoring my messaging building out email sequences, you know, understanding uh, the discovery process a little bit more effectively, doing the research of the people that I'm about to have a conversation with, and then doing the discovery planning uh, is such an important exercise. Uh, When you're about to go in and engage with someone and try to share with them how you can help and add value. Because people want to know that you're anticipating their needs especially if you're positioning yourself as an expert, they want to know that you're able to do your research. Uh, and so tools, right? What are some of the tools that you use uh, as, you know, as a consultant? So some of the tools that I use are, obviously you start off with, you know, your CRM system, right? So early on I had HubSpot. You know, there are other tools out there. Active Campaign is another great one. Most most people that are sending emails out, um, doing cold outbound, um, will usually purchase a tool like uh, like SalesLoft or Outreach, right? Like these uh, these are great ways to send in mass um, and warm up uh, inboxes and get meetings booked on your calendar, which is the lifeblood of any consultancy or any agency. Um, Calendly works great. It has a free tier, highly recommend it. If you are building a community, building a network of peers, if you're building a a consultancy of other consultants, right? You're building an agency model where you have contractors come in and do the work on behalf of your clients um, and you provide that that level of service, the margins will be lower, but, you know, it's a model. People do it to great effect. 
You know, you want to build a community, you want to build processes that are well-documented and repeatable. And so over the years, I've had the privilege of being able to compile those documentations and put them in storage so that I can use them. They're branded, they're organized, clearly articulated. When a project comes to bear, I can deploy that uh, and sort of shorten, it's like a framework, shorten the time to uh, deliver on the promise that we're making to the client. Um, and also help bring other people along that uh, may not have had the same experiences that I've had. Media planning, right? Being able to deliver projections, right? I feel like I'm going on a tangent, Chris. So let yeah, me know I'll, if I'm, if I'm going to say, too, too so, heavy so, there. So, 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 so go back to so, so to go back to the, the core. So looking at your actual marketing strategy for yourself, to mm-hmm. what what is it? So because you, you mentioned a few things there, you talked about the research, the level of research that you do, you talked about outreach, you talked about mass, mass emails. So, so what is it that a first got you your very first customer? Like how did Mm -hmm. that happen? But then how did you, like, how do you go about getting customers now? So do you do things like this? You go onto podcasts, do you um, blast 100 emails a day? Like what, what, what is it? What is that marketing mix for you? Yeah, for sure. So right now it's pretty simple. Because my my goal is not to make you know twenty million dollars uh, in twenty twenty three. That's not my goal. My goal right now is flexibility with my time. You know, it, it, if money is your motivator, you're doing it wrong, right? You're doing it wrong. Your priorities are in the wrong place. You know, money is the result. Uh, revenue is the result of delivering on a promise that you make to your customers. Uh, and you deliver on that promise because you're intrinsically uh, motivated to do so because you have a desire to make a positive impact in that customer's uh, work or life or flow or whatever the case may be. Money comes as a result of that. And so for me, the motivator is not money. I would say that the first way that, the, and so I preface that, the first way that I got my client was just, you know, cold LinkedIn outreach. It was, it was very simple. It was a matter of being persistent. I made a, an account list. I went into Crunchbase, made an account list of 1,400 accounts, series A and B, within uh, a certain uh, you know, uh, ARR. And then I went into LinkedIn Sales Navigator, and I looked up all of the job titles that I thought resonated with the value proposition that I wanted to communicate to them. And then I made connection requests and slow and steady wins the race, right? Just being very intentional um, about that messaging. And that, that opened up my first opportunity. Other opportunities have come through other agencies that have maybe noticed me in professional networks. Uh, and so they, they've essentially served as like a broker and opened up relationships for me. And that has been, that has been great as well. And then, you know, just yesterday I had a conversation with a young lady in, uh, the molecular diagnostic space, which is totally different from SAS. And it turned out that we had a lot of synergies, you know, she's like a GM uh, managing, you know, the entire North American market for a product that has like an eight figure 
like ACV, you know, they're shipping millions of units. And so it's essentially, um, it's so silly and it's crazy that products like this exist, but it's essentially a a nasal swab that children uh, use uh, that looks like a toy. It's like a little like mustache that they stick up their nose. Kids have fun playing with it, but it actually is used to evaluate whether they are testing tested positive for a COVID-19 variant. And so that that one unit that costs two dollars gets purchased in bulk in in millions uh, by diagnostic centers, government agencies, uh, healthcare uh, providers, and 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 she was she was in search of support for her demand generation strategy, right? So conversations happen organically. You make yourself useful. You make yourself available. And you you try to give more than you get, right? When you give more than you get, uh, good things come to you. So how are you? So firstly, that conversation that came about yesterday. How did you? Mm-hmm get that conversation and to that point that you mentioned there about giving more than you get like how are you how are you doing that i guess it's adding value on those first few calls but what what are you providing yeah so that introduction was made from it was made by a pavilion ambassador i'm part of this professional network pavilion and someone just reached out anonymously asking a question but didn't want to reveal their organization. And so they go to an ambassador and they say, Hey, I want to ask this question to this particular group, but I don't, you know, you know, I I don't want to be known, you know, for having asked the question. And so that, that happens and people, you know, respond. And so from time to time, I try to check those, those groups and follow up, you know, with value whenever I could. And, it just turned out that someone needed advice on molecular diagnostic testing. And I happen to be advising a clinical research practice. And so I have a lot of contacts about like protocols and, you know, ECRFs and, you know, CTAs and, you know, what it takes to run a successful site. Uh, And so when we came together, there was just a strange synergy that occurred where, you know, while I didn't know her world and her her challenges, I took the time to listen to what they were. Um, and she just opened up, you know, and I, I was very transparent. And I said, listen, that's very different from the B2B SaaS marketing that I'm doing uh, or the advising that I'm doing in, in the clinical research space. But this is a different perspective, you know, that, that you can apply to the good work that you're already doing. Uh, to help accelerate demand for this product. And she took notes. She wrote it down like she was on fire. And, you know, we're going to continue this conversation. Her and I are probably going to, you know, maybe work on an engagement together. And and the whole approach there is just being genuine, right? Just being a good person, right? <laughs> like, like, don't be a dick, you know, be helpful, yeah. be... Um, be genuine, you know, when you're providing support, don't be the person that gives unsolicited advice, right? Um, I, I don't think that I know more than others. I just know what I've been through and, and uh, the types of 
organizations that I've I've been able to support and create marketing contributed pipeline for. I I've learned from those experiences, and you know I, I like to think that like to think that experience is the name that we give to our past mistakes, right? And so if I'm if I'm true to that, I've made a lot of mistakes in my career. But now I don't feel the that same level of of concern. I'm not faking it any longer um, because now I'm spending my own money, right? And so when you're spending your own money, you're you're trying to make very mitigated calculated risks, you know, so that you know you, you can extend the runway. The other the other thought there that I'll I'll close that that with is you know, when you're an employee, you want to deliver and do a great job for your employer, because that's how you establish longevity, trust, you build relationships, you you extend uh, your career. <clears throat> but you also eat a lot of hot pastrami sandwiches. You know, you also eat a lot of a lot of, you know, uh, difficult moments. And that's putting it gently, right? And so in, in that regard, you know, I've earned the right to call myself a consultant. You know, this isn't something that I just out of the blue pulled out of a hat and said, Hey, I'm going to do this next. No, this is a badge of honor that I wear. I've, I've earned the right to be able to say that I'm going to work for multiple organizations at the same time. And I'm going to own my, my, my earning potential. I'm going to earn you know, my worth at the table. And I'm going to, I'm going to be able to deliver using the experiences, the experiences that I've had uh, along the way to guide me. Amazing. One, one final question that I had was when preparing to take this leap from this conversation, yep. I've, I've quickly gathered it. It's very, very intentional, very, very thoughtful so, and you mentioned the word runway. So I guess closing in on your last full-time role, you're foreseeing this leap. So presumably you have mapped out your own marketing plan, how much money you've perhaps banked to pay for the bills. You have clients that are already working for you and you have a pre-existing pipeline. Can you just walk me through this transition what you were thinking, how did you prepare and did you have, did you make that leap knowing that you had ABC clients covering your full-time salary or was it, was it not, you had maybe 50%, but you knew you had in the pipeline. So it'd be great to get a bit of an understanding of that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So the, the name of the game is predictable, repeatable and scalable, right? So predictable is what can you foresee? Um, and you're trying to establish a heuristic, right? A set of criteria that informs uh, your ability to see further ahead than others. You know, remember, as a as a consultant, you should be competing with yourself. You're not competing with other people. You are a niche of one. Uh, and so, you know, if you listen to Dan Co, I I like that guy, but generally. You know, think of it as think of it in terms of, you know, you you need to have a heuristic that says, you know, I can accomplish X, Y, and Z. 
in terms of pipeline, generate X number of opportunities in my pipeline within a 30 day period of time. And so it's a realistic goal that you set for yourself, not a stretch goal, a realistic one. And so for me, that was five to six quality conversations in a month, uh, which averages about one or two a week. Okay. And that was, that was just what I knew I was capable of at that time. Obviously that, that has changed. I can go a little bit faster and deeper now, but in the beginning, that's what it was. And I also knew that I had six months of cash window to kind of guide me through this transition. So from the time that I left my full-time employment to the time that I knew that I had to, it was do or die was from like May to what is that? Like November. Yeah. Right. Like Thanksgiving. I said Thanksgiving because after Thanksgiving seasonality hits, everyone's going bye-bye until January. So I knew that no deals were going to close after Thanksgiving. Uh, And, and I just went at it. Chris, I, I don't know what to say. It's just what it is. You know, you just go at it. And then, you know, you, you have to have a touch of madness to do this. You have to have, mm. you have to have a touch of madness to believe with, with no uncertainty that you're going to succeed. And, and it's, it's what happened. You know, the universe got out of my way. You know, it supported me. It it both supported me and got out of my way. It was like water. It, wherever I wanted to go, like I flowed in that direction. And, yeah. and it, it was magic, man. And so so I, I'll say there's no silver bullet. You know, I, I probably, you know, I, I won't get personal on this podcast, but last year was a crazy year for me, man. Like my my wife and I recently had a baby, so I'm a new dad. Congrats. My father passed away last summer, July 1st. Our house burned down to the ground. He was saving our home from an electrical fire. Um, And unfortunately, he he passed due to the smoke inhalation. We lost him in that fire. I had to reestablish my mother in a new location. I had to make sure that my family's mental well-being was good. I had to do a a leveraged buyout with a lame investor of my family's business uh, because they were, you know, just not helpful. And so we had to get through that. Bury my father at the same time that I'm negotiating that <laughs> that share purchase agreement. After my father's funeral, we had a pre-planned trip to Switzerland. Uh, so I went to Switzerland with my wife. Uh, which was the most cathartic experience that I've ever had. Um, standing in a valley in Lauterbrunnen, looking at waterfalls cascading down uh, from 600-foot cliffs. It, it, it's basically like Lord of the Rings. It was beautiful. Yeah. And then, you know, and then starting my own consultancy, starting my own business, branching out on my own. So there was a lot that was happening during that time and lots of opportunities where you could just, you know, curl up in a ball and say, you know, today's not my day. You know, but, you know, when you are, you know, determined to seek out new opportunities and and realize your potential and whatever it is you apply yourself to. You know, you you find a way you find a way forward. And so I I would just encourage anyone that is 
making that transition to becoming a consultant to just, you know, be persistent, be determined, seek out resources and mentors that can help you. Um, Find the people that are part of your tribe uh, that are going to help you take that next step and, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Better to live a life that's well-intentioned and well-meaning than a life where you're suppressing your most awesome potential and all the things that you want to accomplish. Yeah. Amazing. I think on, on that note, I think we'll leave it there with that, that, that positive sentiment. So look, thanks for joining Joe and um, we'll put everything in the show notes where our listeners can find out more about you. Thank you, Chris. Great meeting you today. Thank you.